0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with Bitches, Witches, and Queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello everyone. Today I get to introduce to you Julie Parker. Julie Parker is my mentor and one of the most incredible people I know. Um, I'm going to read to you her bio real quick and then we'll jump into this incredible episode. But first I just want to say meeting Julie has changed my life in many, many ways um, through her work at Beautiful You Coaching Academy. And I um, am just so thankful to have had this conversation and to have met her. Um, So without further ado, uh, Julie Parker, she, her, is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, co-founder of Priestess Temple School, and a mentor, counselor, coach, supervisor, and guide for sacred leaders and space holders. She has trained thousands of life coaches from around the world to birth their soul businesses and has had a thriving counseling and coaching practice for nearly two decades. Julie has inspired thousands of people as an in-demand speaker for clients, including Apple, Telstra, and Soulpreneurs. Is the recipient of numerous Leadership and Women's Awards is an international award-winning published author and host of the top-ranking priestess podcast, where she has interviewed some of the world's great spiritual thought leaders. As a devoted and practicing priestess, Julie is committed to contributing to a world where presence, healing, and social justice are honored. Julie lives in Melbourne, Australia. Yay! Here we go.
1: And Welcome back to Bitches,
0: Witches, and Queers,
1: everyone. I am here today with Julie Parker. Hi, Julie.
2: Hi, Christina. So great to be here with you.
1: I'm so excited to see you and talk to you today. I, um, I have wanted to have you on my podcast for a solid year now and was waiting for a time when I felt like I had the right kind of conversation in mind for us to
2: have. And I feel like I have that now. Oh well, this has me very intrigued <laughs> as to where it is we are about to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, um, your your podcast, Priestess, the Priestess podcast, has um, inspired me on my own spiritual journey. So I, this podcast, the inspiration for it came from your book and your podcast the because this podcast is an exploration of spirituality for the natural curious heart it's about what is spirituality and immediately of course i see you as someone who has been on a spiritual journey and felt all kinds of things in that journey and is very honest about your experience with it so i want to start off by asking you what and how would you define
2: spirituality Oh, wow, we're going for it <laughs> <laughs> with, that, with, with that question. <laughs> My goodness, you know, a question like this I feel is one that on any given day I might give a different answer to. Yeah. And I know for some people they might think, but that doesn't make any sense and I get that or that doesn't feel very grounding. But I think at the heart of me saying that is that what spirituality to me is our relationship to ourselves and everything that surrounds us on both an energetic and unseen level Mm -hmm. and a seen level as well. It is Mm. about the all. It is about everything and not everything that can be seen or touched with our eyes or with our hands. Mm. It's bigger than that. And therefore, beyond that, that can have different meaning on any different day. Mm. But at the heart of it, that's what it is to me. Spirituality is an ongoing journey and involvement of my relationship with myself and everything around me at both a seen and unseen level Mm.
1: I love that so much because I, I actually find that a solid definition of almost anything feels like it immediately like freezes it into a particular facet of time so to me it makes perfect sense that a definition would change from day to day because your relationship to it is growing and changing and not even just growing as in like a positive upward trajectory way but is just different depending on how you are experiencing relationship
0: with that
2: absolutely and I think that's why for me a definition of spirituality feels right for it to be something that's extremely broad because Mm -hmm. it then allows me to feel fluid and open and nuanced and able to discern what that relationship and those relationships mean to me at any given time. And it also means in turn that I want to be able to gift and see that for others. Mm. And this is where we can get into an interesting conversation about potentially the difference between spirituality and religion. Mm right because of course we know that many religions have very definitive guidelines or Mm. views or tenets or perspectives
0: Mm.
2: and sometimes there's not a lot of room to shift out of those without punishment or without consequence of some kind Mm. and I think that's one of the things that that is also really resonant for me about that definition of spirituality, therefore, is like you also, we all also get to define what that those relationships mean to us at any given time because I can't have that and expect that and want that for me if I don't then allow it for anyone else. Hmm.
1: I, okay, this like just feels like, just a hug like this this view of spirituality (laughs) to me just feels like expansive and I am like 100% with you on this but what I'm curious about is like your because like my soul loves that but my ego is is like but I want to define it like I want it to make like I feel like the like my surroundings capitalism things like try to pull you into a different like one side or the other or it's like make sense of it for other people i'm just curious about your experience with like with coming to this place of trusting and defining spirituality the way that you have what's it been like what has that journey been like for you or have you always been like in this expansive state
2: oh no 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 (laughs) christina it's (laughs) rhetoric it's rhetorical (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not at all, because just like you, I am someone who is living in a world that is steeped in various different systemic oppressions from capitalism to patriarchy to white supremacy Mm -hmm. to heteronormativity and so many other things. And so I can't not be influenced by those things because we all are in some way or another. Mm. And I would never have had, uh, I'm not sure whether the word is courage, it might not be, but it's what's coming to me at the moment, to just be so free or open with a definition and go, yeah, that's it. Mm. That's what I feel and it might be different tomorrow and that's the way that it is. I absolutely have gone through varying different stages of my life, both with my spirituality and with many other things Mm. where I've needed a great deal more control, a great deal more of a tight box, rules, guidelines, uh, so many different things to help me feel grounded Mm. and certain. And that's at times included having other people to tell me what to do. Mm. and even who I might be. Mm. But I turned 50 recently and so I'm more than halfway through the statistics, say, my life. And you do reach a particular point in time with a little bit of age and hopefully some wisdom that might be starting to come into your space in midlife of realising that so much of how we define ourselves as human beings it has not been our choice mm. and it's time to take that back and that we do get to make choices and we can redefine what certain things mean to us like spirituality mm. and we can look to all different kinds of portals that open up for us and what that may mean and that's different for everyone and so it's been a journey it's been a path it's been it's had twists and turns and shadows and darkness and joy and all sorts of things, just like any relationship in life, mm-hmm. uh, my relationship with myself has not always been easy, and I think that's probably true for all of us in very different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent. And thank you for sharing. I, I'm curious if you'll go on like a little bit of a journey for me because what I want to uncover is like some of these specific moments where that were like pivotal for your. um your development of your relationship with yourself and I'm (laughs) I'm recalling this particular memory of you that you shared in one of your um beautiful you coaching academy lectures about you were you started off coaching in an industry that was like full of dudes like your your coaching was like you were the only woman in this career dominated by men and like I'm curious what like in that experience what if there was any pivotal moments through that process that helped you or shifted the way you viewed yourself
2: oh my gosh there were so many and I think that Christina it's a case of not necessarily knowing that those moments were pivotal at that time some Mm. of them right some and I think that this is true for us in life always is like It's not actually until we look back from where we are now that we realise that there has been an accumulation of varying different conversations, Mm. chance meetings, connections, experiences that add up to a revelatory moment or shift in our perception now. And then Mm. others were conscious, like, One of the first conscious ones that I remember nearly 20 years ago now when I trained to become a coach was being the only woman in the room. And I was also the youngest by a long way. Mm. So not only was I uh, as someone in that room that identified as female, I was pretty sure to most of the middle-aged men that were surrounding me as a woman in my late 20s looked at as a girl. Mm. like oh yeah there's jewels over there like you know at any moment I expected somebody to ask me to bring them a cup of tea Mm. that's a bit how it felt but I also recognized that part of that was my own internalized oppression because Mm. there, because that's not to say that all those the men in that room were misogynistic horrors they were not you know, some of them were absolute darlings. And it's like, wow, it's amazing to see you here and coaching and, you know, all of those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. But
2: that was a very pivotal moment for me where I felt like I wanted to run out of the room because I felt like an imposter
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that all of these men were there as incredible CEOs, HR managers, people who were learning this new skill of coaching to basically help get better productivity out of the people they managed at work whereas I was there as a young therapist at the time intrigued by this incredible new way of working with people that I saw had potential beyond the world of therapy as a form of support And encouragement and engagement with people that I wanted to learn more about and so you can bet that along the way of that journey I questioned myself multiple times am I meant to be here is this right and there were lots of times where an ego voice said well clearly not
0: Mm.
2: you've clearly stuffed this up you're not meant to be here this is wrong and yet on a soul level Deeper down, there was something that just kept telling me my true self, my true voice this is it. Stop questioning yourself, keep going. And I think the primary thing that kept coming to me at that time, which is something that I still say to my trainees, my mentees, anyone I work with all the time, is make it your own make it your own you get to do with this what you want Mm. no one is saying it has to look any particular way don't fall into a box or a trap that you don't get to even set for yourself Mm. keep thinking freely openly widely you get to make this what you want and as long as I held on to that voice it allowed me to propel forward to create what I did over many, many years now, which is very different to how I was initially trained and that feels right. And so, yeah, that's just one pivotal moment, I guess, but yeah, you don't always, it it comes through heartache and indecision and all of the things, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I'm so, thank you so much for sharing. I love, I love hearing that. And I just, um, want to honor your devotion to your soul voice like the devotion that you have to and had in the in that entire experience to trust yourself even when you didn't is is profound and um I'm curious how that how that played into your journey to become a priestess like that, um, that resilience and that choosing to trust yourself feels like the beginning of a deeper spiritual journey to me.
2: It absolutely was. And I think it's a really important thing from a practical perspective for me to share, Christina, for anyone listening, that my deep awakening, my really, really deep spiritual awakening occurred almost concurrently with the birth of the beautiful you coaching academy Mm. it all happened at the same time and even though at that time I saw them as separate things that is oh I have this intense desire with my now successful coaching business to start a life coach training academy that's different to anything I've ever seen out there and I am in a freaking mess over here in my personal soul, spiritual life. I am undergoing some kind of dark night of the whatever. (laughs) And and it's like, and I saw them as separate. They were not. (laughs) Now that I look back, I realize that 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 awakening at a really, really deep level, which was the, the, The calling for me to step onto a sacred leadership path as a priestess was in direct concurrence with the beginning of this academy, which Mm. I now even now, eight to nine years later, are starting to recognize and realize And this is the first time I've ever actually expressed this in public and it's definitely the iteration of where things are going with the academy is that we are not just training life coaches in the work that we do. We're training sacred leaders Mm. or we're helping uncover sacred leaders. It's it's not even a training for that. The training is the life coaching. The uncovering and remembering is for people to step into their power as a sacred leader to be in service to others. Mm. And so eight to nine years later, I'm now recognising and realising that on an even deeper level. But the resiliency and trust that you mentioned about claiming a path as a priestess, and I think any resiliency and trust as a human being walking a spiritual path, yes, it builds up incrementally. But it is not something that you just get and then, oh, okay, I'm going to make resilient and self-trusting decisions from now on for the rest of my life. (laughs) It doesn't work like that because when I first started to believe and come to the understanding that I was a priestess, as I mentioned in my book, it's like I underwent a huge um, crisis of confidence around that who are you to call yourself such a thing? What does this even mean? Um, it's like you're trying to say, you know, uh, my ego did a whole trip on me. Who do you think you are? Jesus, you know, like all <laughs> sorts of all sorts of silly things came into my head, but that's our ego, isn't it? You know, us yes. <laughs> yourself in different directions. And so it took a lot of self-trust and a, a lot of journeying and a lot of, Inward reflection and work for me to come to a space where it's like, this is who I am. And I claim that for myself. I know it for myself. I embody it for myself. And it does not matter when anyone else thinks mm. about that decision because it's mine. Mm. Uh, I, I see like such a through line
1: here of the expansion that you mentioned in your definition of spirituality at the beginning just like the the like it's not necessarily a pivot in beautiful you but rather like a deepening and i feel like if if you had been a different person and in a different place like our tendency and ego is to cling to what we've made and keep it the same and restrict it and define it and like create edges but you've allowed this thing you've created to grow with you and expand with you and to make, to be different, to, to change essentially like not at its core because it's like birthed from you, but like the, the growth of it is like, it's a living thing. It's, it's spirituality. It's the relationship that you talked about being in relationship with all things.
2: Absolutely, and relationships shift and change and morph and become different the more that we are involved with them. You know, if we think about it from an outside perspective and a simple perspective, which, of course, relationships never, ever are, but realistically, the main reason that any relationship breaks down whether it is parent-child, adult-child, whether it is lovers, whether it is two friends, is because of change. Mm -hmm. And one person or both people in that relationship having an inability to reconcile the change. Because people, for example, we know the overwhelming majority of people if not all, do not get married with the intent for that marriage to not last forever. Mm. Most people go into those relationships absolutely heart-led and with the belief that that partnership is going to last until one of them passes. Mm -hmm. But we know that that's not what happens Mm -hmm. in many, many, many instances. And the usual catalyst for that is change. Mm. And either someone internally changing and not being able to reconcile that with themselves or vice versa with each other. Mm. And so being nuanced, being flexible, flowing, with ourselves and each other as human beings and understanding that we are not the same people and we can't be expected to be the same people that we were years ago or before a traumatic experience or before undertaking a new course or for any other major reason or time of transition in our lives is setting ourselves up for heartache. Mm -hmm both with ourselves and with each other.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the ego's message is like, if we keep things the same, if we control them, that we'll avoid the heartache. Whereas like the heartache actually happens either way. It's, it's just in service of our growth and more love and joy, or it's not.
2: Exactly, and that's such a beautiful way to put it. And once again, you know, shout out to all of our egos for the work that they do in protecting us, <laughs> right, yes, yes. because that's that's their primary function, that's its primary p- function and it's a very, very important function. Mm. But we also all know as conscious beings that there is only so much growth and joy And love that we can experience inside any protective mechanism of safety and comfort. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, how you were talking at the beginning, if you asked, if I asked you on a different day, your definition of spirituality would be different. I feel like we're back to that. Like you could almost define spirituality as a practice of developing greater and greater capacity to be with change. Because those,
2: Uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, or even just simply to be with yourself Mm. and our planet and each other, understanding that those things are constantly changing underneath that. And this is where the great mother, Mother Earth, the divine mother, however it is that anyone likes to term it, Mother Nature, is. Just such a divine example of that constant change, <laughs> yeah. seasonal change, daily changes, yearly changes, season. I mean, it's just <laughs> we we are nature. Nature is us, and we are a reflection of that. We are not static, and mm. so yes, our spiritual journeys. The more that we can see ourselves as cyclical fluid, changing creatures all the time as a reflection of that nature, as nature, I believe the more we open ourselves up to joy and presence and flow. And that presence aspect is so important because when we're trying to grip on to what a lover was like years ago but is not anymore, or what our bodies were like when we were 20 in comparison to what they're like when we're 45. Mm-hmm. Causes us pain mm-hmm. because we're struggling to let go. We're struggling mm-hmm. to shift. We're struggling to morph with the change that is right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that so many of us are walking and where our spiritual selves Really, really, comes into devoted daily practice and the being with what is, not with what was and not with what we want to be, but with what is. Mm,
1: now that that is how i've I've been describing and defining, for the time being, my spiritual practice as being with what is, because accepting reality for me has been very challenging. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned the cycles of nature and birth and life and wait I said that in the wrong order death death rebirth life I don't know the cycle the (laughs) The cycles yes I was actually writing about that before we got on when I was um, writing out questions and like thinking about talking with you I was curious about like um, I had a conversation recently with Sora Schilling, which was fantastic. And um she, and in her infinite wisdom shared some things that she's noticed about my processes, um of like how how, like my brain operates in these cycles of growth. And, you know, it's always incredible to have someone mirror back to you things that have been you've been sharing, but not realizing you've been sharing. And I'm curious about like your own process of that cycle. Like if you've noticed over the years, like the indications that you are in this type of this part of this cycle and what that's Mm -hmm. like for you.
2: Well, again, it's something that's ever changing and, you know, I'm really happy to share with everyone that at the moment I'm undergoing a massive cycle of change in my life because I believe, I can't be fully sure because it is a long process, but I believe that I have shifted from the stage of life of perimenopause into menopause. And the result of that for me is that I'm experiencing a lot of shifts and changes both internally in my body and externally as well. Mm. And this is bringing up lots of feelings around ageing, around relevance, around this cycle and season of my life. And so it's once again a reminder that what was true for me as a cyclical being two months ago no longer is true anymore. Mm. And so and this is the 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 beautiful cunning nature of nature mm-hmm. and of the great mother is like just when she gifts <laughs> us with a beautiful sunshining glorious day that makes you want to skip through the flower fields a couple of days later could be cyclonic. <laughs> You know, and it's like it's it's not predictable in any way. And that's Mm. what I've found myself over life with the seasons as well. You know, it took me a long time to realize, for example, with the cycles of the moon, Mm. that a couple of nights every month around the time of the full moon, I would have an extremely restless sleep and wake up in the literal dead of the night or early morning could be anywhere between 2 and 4 a.m. with an intense desire. It's like, I'm done sleeping. It's time to get up and it's time to start working. This used to drive me batty, Christina, because I used to try and push through it until I actually realised that this was a thing, that the light of the full moon, the Olympia, I have been called to get up, get up. Do something. Who cares that it's three o'clock in the morning? It doesn't matter. Mm. Get up if you're being caught. Up. And so I mm. started to surrender to that. And I started to live into it more. And believe me when I tell you, a good portion of my book was written in those hours of that the morning. Mm. During those times, in in the light, in the in the small light of my office room with husband and rest of fur children sleeping. Mm. And there I was with an alert brain going at that time. And so I suppose that's just one example mm. of how when we we go with flows and things like that, you know, for any person who menstruates, they likely feel at different times peaks of energy and bursts and gloriousness and also times of needing to rest and reflect. Mm. We ignore those things at our own peril. Mm but when we embrace them and we flow with them they allow us to open up to our relationship with ourselves at a deeper and more trusting level and anything that does that once again allows us to expand our spiritual selves
1: i feel like at once inspired and called out in the best way possible
2: <laughs> that <You're> happens <laughs> yes thank you
1: that happens to me every full moon there's like three three nights leading up to the full moon where i'm up in the middle of the night and i just wake up and i'm like i don't know what to do right now like i cannot sleep
2: (laughs) now anything you want (laughs) yeah now i know (laughs) Anything you want, because if we think about this from an ancestral perspective, your ancestors, my ancestors, all of our ancestors, once when they were living on country, living on the land, their lives were completely and utterly led and guided by cycles and seasons of nature for survival. Mm. During those times of the full moon, um, it's get busy, folks. This is the time when people were moonlight planting, yeah. when they were dancing, when they were chanting, when there were certain uh, women's mysteries and ceremonies and all sorts of things that were going well and truly into the night or into mm-hmm. the early morning. The men folk were out hunting because they had the moon to light their way to be able to do that. And so these were times of the full moon of great activity. Mm. And even though most of us now are living under significant artificial light in cities and our cycles and our bodies are not as sensitive to the full moon as they maybe once were, they still are. Mm-hmm. because i'm an example of that you're an example <laughs> of that and if you ask most people about it they will say I oh, yeah actually i have noticed that or they'll even say that they notice it in their pets mm-hmm. cats wanting to wander mm-hmm. around the time of the full moon dogs and uh you know pets and things like that being more restless more barky mm-hmm. more more active it's not a coincidence. Mm.
1: Yeah, that feels so deeply resonant. I was at the beach this past summer and my sister and I traveled together. And so we were there and looking up, we were like trying to figure out tides because I was like, the moon has such an impact. Like, what is happening here? So we looked up the science of it and I could not explain it to you. But my point being, there's like, I believe this and there's also like depth of scientific research like we can see that the moon is impacting everything like of course it affects us of course course. it affects nature it's it's literally like shaping and moving our planet and all kinds of shit around it's it's
2: such a powerful energy Absolutely, and given the fact that our bodies are mostly made up of water, <laughs> <laughs> is, when you speak of tides and what the moon does with tides, is it any wonder the impact then that the moon has on our bodies and ourselves? It's, um, it's huge. How much we are consciously aware of that is, yeah. of course, within ourselves. Mm,
1: Yeah. And I think uh, another part of growing in spiritual practice is an awareness of that connection that I think comes naturally when you are being with what is, when you're being in relationship to life in the present moment.
2: Without question. Awareness is a huge part of this, Christina. And awareness, not just in the present moment, but actually embodying that learning from it and even writing it down or finding some way to capture it in your heart and in your psyche for yourself in an ongoing way over months and months and even years and years because Mm. that's when you start to see patterns. Mm -hmm. That's when you start to see, oh, okay, around this time of the full moon or in winter, this is how I always seem to be. Mm. Is is that a coincidence? Probably not. <laughs> or this is what I feel like in spring, or this is how I feel around this particular time of my menstrual cycle mm. or anything like that. When we track, when we become aware, when we start to look at the deeper patterns, that's when we get to know ourselves really well. And ironically enough, I feel that's when we can actually start to genuinely believe in ourselves that we have the capacity to surrender more consciously to life Mm. because those cycles and seasons and Mother Nature and our own bodies and selves will always be there until we pass And that rather than needing rules or guidelines or doctrines or testaments that say you must live this way, you must do it this way, you cannot shift, you cannot change, this is the way that it is forever and it will never be any other way, you don't need that certainty or that control in your life as much anymore because you're like, well, I can see myself here. In my patterns, in my cycles, in my knowing, in my relationship to self and nature and others, I've got me. I don't need anybody else to have me or tell me. I've got me. And there's incredible personal power that comes with that.
1: I just want to, like, soak that in. I can see me. What, What incredible power there. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I just have absolutely loved all of this and I'm going to be thinking about the moon and nature and like digesting this more in my body. I have a couple silly questions for <gasps> you.
2: <laughs> yes. I love a silly question. Let's go. Cause there's oh, more often than not, they're not silly. <laughs>
1: true um i want to know what's the worst advice you've ever gotten like in this in your journey of like spirituality and coaching
2: yeah um the, uh, there's been many the first one that comes to mind is a coaching one where someone attempted to convince me about a number of different things of what it meant to be and particularly look uh from a professional perspective, Mm. trying, yeah, right, okay, (laughs) trying to sort of foist upon me the belief that if you didn't look completely polished, you know, the media ideal of thin, suited, you know, yeah. All of that stuff, like you don't need me, and your listeners don't need me to excite you. I know you've got the vision in your head <laughs> that it would mean that people would think that I was um, flaky or not strong enough or not professional enough or all those sorts of things. And so, yeah. Mm,
1: yeah. And
2: yeah, it's, it's a bit that's a big one. And it's still one that floats around both consciously and subconsciously, I think, with a lot of people. Mm yeah and and of course it's bullshit yeah (laughs) (laughs) just and yeah it's it's complete bullshit because of course we know that different people resonate with different folks Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah
1: amazing amazing that you um that you knew yourself and you saw yourself well enough to didn't disregard that
2: (laughs) well I didn't at the time to be honest (laughs) eventually (laughs) I got there but only after some hard learned lessons where I felt like I had to turn up and be somebody that I was not Mm. um and it cost me time and it cost me money as a coach and in my coaching business and industry until I had a darling friend call me out Mm. one day and and say, what is going on here? And the portal for her doing that was actually through my website. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's so navy, it's so beige, it's so boring, it's so corporate, and it's so not you. Where is the pink? Where is the joy? Where is the love? Where is the care? Where's all the heart-centred stuff that just makes you you? Where are you? Where have mm-hmm. you gone? I allowed myself to be convinced by somebody that I thought knew better than me who I was. And she said, it's a disaster and it's why you're not getting clients. (laughs) She said, it's a disaster because it's not you. Like she really gave it to me. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. I had nowhere to go because everything that she said was the complete and utter truth. Mm. And so I had to change it. And that's when I birthed Beautiful You Coaching, I got a different photo shoot. I wore a pretty dress, which is my thing. I was me. And lo and behold, that was the real beginning of the success of my coaching business and everything that has unfolded for me from there. Mm. So that was a lesson. I didn't learn it straight away, but it was the worst advice I've ever been given that I then eventually realised was that, shifted and changed. And so actually maybe it's ended up being the best advice I've ever been given. Mm that I then yeah. ignored <laughs> or changed. <laughs> I changed. I didn't ignore it. I did act <laughs> upon it, but then I changed it. And cause I realized how bad it was.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That's, it's incredible. Like the, the power of what like being, <laughs> and I hate to say this because it sounds so like, Cliche, but like the power of being yourself of being in your own energy for magnetizing and bringing to you the people who want to be there and the people who resonate with
2: you (laughs) exactly because there's nothing more powerful than being in the presence of a human being Mm -hmm. that is in acceptance of who they are yeah it's magnetizing There's something, it doesn't matter what type of person they are. Mm -mm. The thread that exists between those magnetizing people is this is who I am. Mm.
0: I believe in me.
2: I've got my own back. Mm. I don't need to be anybody other than who I am. Mm. And that is so powerful because we know that there are many, many people that are still walking the journey to find that for themselves. Mm. My life
1: coaches just, are great people to guide, to guide yes. folks there.
2: They sure are. <laughs> they, they, they absolutely are, you know, people such as yourself, you know, on, on this extraordinary journey of both self-discovery and other discovery. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Really if
1: powerful. That, if that isn't all of us, I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> what's true. <laughs> um. What is one of the funnest, funniest memories you have of your spiritual journey? Like a time that the universe made you laugh.
2: Oh wow, um, the one.
1: <laughs> well, this is a good start.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the one, the one time um, that that makes me laugh is when I was on even though I didn't realise it at the time, it is what became a spiritual pilgrimage to the home of my people and my ancestors, which is in Scotland and Ireland and England. Mm. So I am of um, Celtic uh, descent and I was absolutely desperate to go to um, Bridget's Well in Ireland. Um, St. Bridget or the goddess Bridget is a very, very significant um, spiritual deity within the the Celtic uh, belief system. And I was beside myself at the thought of being able to go to this well and this place where She had once walked and worshipped and was a part of and all those sorts of things, except my husband and I got terribly lost on the way um, to finding this well and we had to stop someone who was walking, uh, an elderly man who was walking on the side of the road and ask him where it was and he gave the most infuriating and frustrating answer to the question and he said, Bridget is here. You you are you are you are here. Bridget is here, you are here. You don't need to go anywhere else. You are here. I'm like, uh, oh, I really don't need this esoteric crap right now. <laughs> I just really need someone to tell me where the damn well is, right? <laughs> and so a hundred meters down the road, we saw this tiny little offshoot on the road. And I just said to Glenn, you know, I said, you know, just because I was crying by this time. I was so frustrated and so yeah. angry. And I said, can you just pull over for a moment? Because I just need to get out here. And I need to deal with these waterworks. (laughs) And that was the exact language that I used, these tears that were rolling down my face. I just need to take a breath. I said, then we're going to get back in the car. We're going to get the Google Maps working properly. I'm going to reboot it. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to reboot it. This is only 100 metres down the road, right, from leaving the man behind us. And then we're going to find this well. So I stepped out of the car and I went, I literally walked only another 30 metres and the well was there. (laughs) And so I literally almost fell into the water, like the waterworks and the man who had said, Bridget is here, the well is here. And yet in typical Irish funny um, humour or belief and culture in many different ways, this well, this spot of hers is so deeply uh, not signed. Mm. It's, not, it's not marked. There's no great big gilded cross or church or anything magnificent. To say. It's just there. Mm. And it was at that time I was gobsmacked and laughing <laughs> and crying <laughs> and going around in circles and realising that if we had not stopped to ask that man, that we probably would have driven straight past it and never actually seen it. And mm. so it was, yeah, it was a little bit of a, it was a funny moment and but also a really profound one as well because I think back about those words that that man said, Bridget is here, you are here, she is here, not it's a hundred meters up the road, just on the left, but (laughs)
1: you know,
2: (laughs) and yeah, a wise little old man that taught me a lesson that day as did Bridget herself. Wow. God, that's,
1: that's so amazing. And, and so funny and I deeply resonate with that feeling of like tears of frustration. And then like when something shows up, you're just like, laughing and crying at the same time. And you're just like, what even? <laughs> and of course. I know.
2: Yeah. What a joke. How funny. How, you know, all the things. There were just so many lessons that I took away from that that day. It it was extraordinary. And and just yeah, thanks, thanks for the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful woman. That's not a joke that led me here, that almost didn't lead me here and all of the things. It was, yeah, it was a day for sure.
1: Yeah. You got to like wonder, and probably this is true that that's like, that was her kind of energy was that type of humor. And so of course in finding her space that you would find a little bit, you would find it in a little bit of her energy in that way. Absolutely.
2: absolutely. And now that I look back at that experience too, I also don't necessarily think that it was a coincidence that that morning before we went on that little journey to find the well we had been at a fairy garden in Ireland and fairies or the fae in Irish culture and Irish spirituality are known to be tricksters Mm. they're known to be little imps and um and yeah later on I thought about oh geez I think there might have been a bit of Faye energy (laughs) that we're carrying around there too and so yeah that was a part of it as well like let's have a bit of fun with Julie (laughs) yeah that's right it's like you're here to meet your ancestors you're here to feel our energy you're here to feel um where you come from you're here to be a part of this land Well, it's not just a matter of driving around in the 21st century in a car with Google Maps and a GPS. You're going to have to work for it, girl.
1: (laughs) And what you really wanted ultimately was the experience of truly feeling that, you know?
2: Exactly, and that's exactly what I got.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing and for talking with me. I just, every time I get to talk with you is fantastic
2: you are a joy christina thank you so very much for having me on i've loved it thank you
0: thank you all for joining me today if you're wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself seeing your own magic and building the life that you want you can contact me on my website the website is below in the show notes i hope you all have a bitching day